forward to doing it again next year. I just wanted to say thank you um, for the, the great turnout because we really did have a good turnout. <clears throat> good morning. We have everyone here this morning, especially our visitors, and glad for the opportunity that you have. Uh, our pantry item, we want to remember, uh, there's a list located on the four-year bulletin board, so please check that. Uh, we have several that are sick this morning. Uh, we have Wilma Hawkins, Carolyn Spivey, Barbara Walford, remember she's in rehab, Callie Hagen. Also, I want to continue to remember uh, Bill Lamb in your prayers. And uh, upcoming this week on Tuesday, let's remember Kathy Thompson in your prayers. She'll be having eye surgery, so let's remember her in your prayers. Our sick that we know in the hospital, uh, we have Joyce Johnston, and this is Jeremy Conyers' uh, grandmother, and she had a stroke, and she is in Jackson General Hospital, so let's remember her as well, and that's where he's at this morning. Our, our special events upcoming, remember today will be the baby shower for Katie Brooks, that will be two from four here in the annex. Uh, this evening, uh, after the evening worship, will be our fourth Sunday fellowship meal. And remember, Zone 1 is responsible for uh, setup and cleanup for that. Uh, upcoming this Thursday, April the 26th, uh, will be the Fountainhead Preschool graduation. That will be 7 p.m. Everyone is invited to that. Uh, um, upcoming uh, this coming Saturday, April the 28th, will be our first annual canoe trip. Uh, remember that as well. May the 8th uh, will be the couple's Bible study. May 13th will be the youth devotional. And on May 18th will be the silver threads that morning. And remember that evening, May 18th, will be the youth lock-in. Also, I've got a note to read about our VBS upcoming on June the 16th. Uh, that says they're still in need of six to nine people to teach and assist for one to two hours. And age groups are from cradle row to kindergarten. And if you can help with this or in any other way for our VBS, uh, see Sammy Durrett. That's all announcements that I have this morning. Our Minda Serby song leader, Wyatt Bohannon. Our opening prayer, Mark Triplett. Our reading, Artie Baxter. Sermon, Matt Miller. And the closing prayer, Tim Shepard. Seek ye first.
This will be our song for the Lord's Supper. <laughs> Tempted and tried.
As we prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper this morning, the thoughts in the reading will be taken from John, the 10th chapter, 11 through 18. And for the thoughts, God had a plan for our redemption and our salvation from the beginning of time, but it was a costly plan. The plan was to give his life of his own son as a sacrifice to take our place, and Jesus agreed to do this by his own free will. Jesus died for us, but only by his own free will. Jesus was only crucified because he allowed it to happen. Let's see what Jesus tells us now in John 10, beginning with verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees a wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and catches them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know the sheep. I am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. Jesus chose to lay down the life for us. No one took it from the him against his will. And even though he had the power to lay down his life or take it up again, he freely gave his life because it was God's plan to redeem man from his sins. So God gave his life to us so that we can have eternal life with him. Thanks for the breeze. Holy Father in heaven, we come to thee, thanking thee for this first day of the week, for what it means to us as Christians. We're grateful, Father, for this opportunity that we have to gather around the table, Father, to commemorate the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're thankful, Father, for this bread which Christ said was his body. We pray, Father, that as we partake of this bread that we might let our minds go back to the cross that we might remember Jesus and his suffering that he endured for the sins of all mankind. And we pray, Father, that as we do so, that we will examine ourselves and we'll partake of this bread in a well-pleasing manner in thy sight. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
bow with me, please. Heavenly Father, we now take this opportunity to thank thee for thy son Jesus who came, died on the cross, and rose the third day that we might have a chance for eternal life. We ask the Heavenly Father to be with us now as we partake of this fruit of the vine, which to us as Christians represents Christ's blood. We ask thee that we may do so in a well-pleasing manner in thy sight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This concludes the Lord's Supper. At this time, we'll now take up the offering. Would you bow with me as we give thanks? Our Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for all the blessings of life. We're grateful, Father, for the health and the ability to give each one of us to go out into the world and to earn a living, provide for ourselves and our families. We pray now, Father, that you might be with us as we return a portion of that back to thee. We might do so in a cheerful manner a manner that's pleasing and acceptable unto thee. We pray, Father, that this offering might be used to further thy cause and thy kingdom here upon this earth. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
This will be our song for the opening prayer. pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we humbly come before you this morning. We praise and lift up your high and holy name. Father, we recognize you as the one and only true God, the creator of everything that we know and see. And we love you and we thank you, Father, for the love that you show us, for the kindness, for the mercy. Father, as we assemble here this morning as Christians of like faith, we've come to worship you and praise you. We've come to study and read from your word. We've come to sing praises to you and come to you in prayer. 
Father, we're so grateful for all these avenues that we have to communicate with you and to worship you and praise you. Father, we're so thankful for the Bible that you've given us. Your word, we know it's the truth. We know it's all we need. Father, we're grateful for it. We're thankful for the message in it, for the plan of salvation that we have in it, and for its simplicity. Father, we're thankful that we have read it and understood it and applied it to our lives. Father, we're so thankful this morning for your son, Jesus, for what he means to us, what he means to the world. Father, we know that he's your son, that he came to this earth to live a life, to, to spread your word and to be that perfect example for us to pattern our lives by. And Father, he loved us enough to go to the cross and to give his life and to shed his blood for the sacrifice of our sins. And Father, we're just so grateful for that as we've partaken of this Lord's Supper this morning in remembrance of him, we pray that we'll never forget that great gift that you gave us, that great sacrifice that he made on our behalf, but yet cherish it every day of our lives and spread it to everyone we come in contact with. Father, we pray this morning for the church, the world over, wherever it meets, to worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray for the great success of the church, that it will continue to spread all over the world. And Father, we pray as Christians that we can do our part to, to continue the word and the work of spreading the church. We thankful, Father, for the church rally we had yesterday, for the great success that it was, for the many young people that came out to worship and praise you. And we're just so thankful for that great blessing. We're thankful for the ones that put it on and got it together, and we're thankful for each and every young person that showed up. Father, And we pray that they will decide in their lives to follow you and that they'll become Christians in their life and continue to spread thy word. Father, we're thankful for everyone that's here at Fountainhead this morning. You've blessed us in so many ways. In our elders, the leadership that you've given us, we pray for them each and every day, Father, for the decisions that they make for this congregation. We're thankful for each one of them and their families and their lives and the decision they've made to become leaders in the church. Father, we're thankful for the deacons we have here and for the work that we carry on. We pray, Father, that we will always stay encouraged and stay faithful and true to the work that the elders have given us to do. Father, we're thankful for each and every member that's here, our teachers, our families, our preachers and ministers. We're just so blessed here, Father. We could go on and on, but we know all this comes from you, and we're so thankful for it, and we pray that we continue to grow and continue to be that shining light that you'd have us to be. Father, we say a special prayer this morning for the lost, for the ones that maybe have heard your word and have fallen away, or the ones that maybe have never heard your word. Father, we pray as Christians that we'll have the love in our hearts for these people, that we'll seek them out, and that we'll desire to go out and teach your word to them. Just to say an encouraging word or to ask them if they know Jesus, if they have a Bible, or if they'd like to come to Bible study. Father, it's so easy just to show someone a little love and to open that door. Father, help us to continue these great works. Help this congregation of your people to continue to grow here at Fountainhead. Father, we pray as Christians that 
as we hear this lesson this morning, that Brother Matt's going to bring us from your word, that we'll listen to it and understand it and see how we can apply it to our lives and become stronger and better Christians. Help us, Father, to encourage one another, to love one another, to do the Christian things that we should do. And, Father, we pray for that great and glorious day that you'll come back for us. We pray that we're ready and watching always. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. This will be the song for Matt's lesson. Oh Lord my God.
reading this morning will be from John chapter 8 and verse 12. It says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Amen. Isn't that a great song? How great thou art. Good morning, everybody. Y'all all right? Hey, it's the Lord's Day. This is a great day, isn't it? It is an awesome day to be together. We got new babies in the house, Nolan and Kibben. I made sure I got that right. <clears throat> I'll just tell you right now, if I mispronounce, if I email it, if I do something wrong, it is absolutely unintentional. I want to make sure that I name these babies right. So please forgive me. Uh, Derek and Caitlin have already forgiven me. And so uh, I got Kibben right. I did say Corbin one time to Danny, but I blamed it on Mickey because Mickey actually called his own baby Corbin. So <laughs> he's not here, so I can get on him. That's all right. But anyway... John chapter 8, verse 12 talks about Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And think about that as we begin. And I want to kind of take us off for just a minute. There always will be this argument of who is the greatest basketball player ever. There have been some great ones over the years, and arguments go uh, different ways and people bring up different things, but the overwhelming vote for most people would be Michael Jordan. He played at a level that most people could only imagine. He was a leader. He was a scorer. He was very clutch in the most crucial moments of the game. And he also was a six-time champion. He was a very incredible player and an example how to play basketball. But it didn't just come all at once. Now, listen to some of these quotes that come from Michael Jordan on how he became the best of all time. He said, if you do the work, you get the reward. There are no shortcuts in life. He said, you can practice shooting eight hours a day, but if your technique is wrong, then all you become is very good at shooting the wrong way. Get the fundamentals down, and the level of everything you do will rise. He also said this, you have to expect things of yourself before you can do them. You know, when we think about how one should play basketball, we hold Michael Jordan as the example to follow. He has become the standard. The way he approached the game of basketball is something that still is being coached and compared to this day. He motivates people to play the best they can. While it's so fun to talk about ball, while it's so fun to talk about these great stories about all these athletes, while they give us so much enjoyment, while they give us so much excitement and enthusiasm, at the end of the day, no athlete, 
No person could ever compare to the example of Jesus. Amen? And as we begin, let me ask you this question. Just like Michael Jordan has inspired so many on the basketball court to be like Mike, does Jesus motivate us to want to be the best Christian we can be? Does he inspire us to want to follow him? Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 said that this man, Jesus, was tempted in all ways but with no sin. Isn't that somebody to follow? Brethren, I want us to follow Jesus' example as we finish up this series on being a servant. We talked about why we serve. We've talked about how we can serve our families. And last week we looked at having an attitude of service toward each other. And so as we close this out this morning, I want us to look at Jesus and see what we can learn from him when it comes to being a servant to all. We know what he talked about. We know what he said, but how did he do it? What were some of those fundamentals that he used to be successful when it came to being the best servant ever? And to kick it off, I want one more to say one more quote from Michael Jordan. And he said, if you put in the work, the results will come. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Think about that. The light of life. So what does serving like Jesus mean? The first thing to consider this morning is serving like Jesus means being thankful. And I want us to look at it in a little bit different way. Do we appreciate the opportunities that Jesus gives us? Because you know we're put in situations all the time. Situations to change somebody's life. Situations that will affect somebody that we may not even know. Do we appreciate those situations? I want you to consider four things about Jesus just real quick. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 36, Jesus, he took the seven loaves and the fish and he gave thanks. He broke them and gave them to his disciples and the disciples gave to the multitudes a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish and he fed thousands he gave thanks you know I hear this prayer sometimes when we're going to bless the food you know we bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies and what comes after that usually and our bodies to your service this bread this fish served as an opportunity for Jesus to serve others do we have that mind frame 
In those moments of our lives when we're in those situations and we realize that it's about to come time for us to be able to serve somebody, whether it's a brother or sister, whether it's somebody in the community, do we take a moment and literally say, Lord, thank you for this moment. I appreciate it. The opportunity for me to shine my light. What about this one? Matthew 26, verse 27, we just partook of it. Thousands of years later, Jesus took the cup, and what did he do? He gave thanks for it. He said, drink from it, all of you. What does the blood represent for us? It's the new covenant. When we partake of the cup, we think about the Lord's death, his willingness to go to the cross. What a servant mentality. Amen? And here Jesus is for the first time in this moment giving it to his disciples, and he tells them to drink from it. Oh, where his mind was at. Oh, the joy that probably filled his heart. In a crucial moment. I love this one. John chapter 11 verse 41. You remember his friend Lazarus? You remember he stayed back for a little bit and they were wondering, why are you staying back? Martha and Mary was, couldn't figure it out. And look at what Jesus says. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus, Jesus lifted up his eyes. And look at what he says, church. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Watch verse 42. He says, and I know that you always hear me because of the people who are standing by. I said this, that they might, may believe that you sent me. Lord, I appreciate where you've got me right now in this situation. Thank you for putting me here. Thank you for allowing me to be able to shine my light. Jesus was thankful for the opportunity. In Luke chapter 10, verse 21, it says, you want to know what happens when we have this mind frame? Everything changes in our lives. Because I'm not thankful that I'm going to work to make a bunch of money so I can have all kinds of things. No, I'm thankful that I get to go to work because I'm going to get to tell somebody about the hope that is within me. Not about the things that are going to pass away, but about the things that are eternal, the things that are really important. Jesus, again, I say this often, had nowhere to lay his head, but it did not matter to him. How impressive is that? He said in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit he rejoiced in the Spirit, and this is what he said. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. What do babies need? They need their parents, don't they? 
They need their mom. They need their dad. What about spiritually, brethren? Who do we need? We need our Father. We need the Lord. Jesus was happy in the Spirit. He rejoiced in the Spirit because it came to babes. Those who said, you know what, I need your help. It's not about me. I can't do it, but you can. And therefore, I'm going to follow you on what you say. And because of that, what I do is I work. And I work. And I work for your glory, for your honor. Thankful. What about us, brethren? Are we thankful for our opportunities to serve or are we put out about it? (laughs) Are we put out about it that we got to do it? Man, I don't really want to do this. (laughs) I know I got to. Hey, I get tired too, brothers and sisters, don't you? Hey, I get weary too, don't you? One of the one of the strongest things that I heard yesterday, and I said it in class, was the, the talk about the wise man's house and the foolish man's house. The foolish man's house was built on the sand, and the wise man's house was built on the firm foundation. But the storms came to both. But what was the difference? The difference was the wise man built his house on the rock. Does that motivate us to do our jobs, to do our responsibilities, elders, to do our responsibilities, deacons, to do our responsibilities, ministers, to do our responsibilities, Christians, sheep? I say amen and hallelujah. What better way to show the Lord we love him than by proving it by our actions? I remember James saying, faith without works is dead. What else can we learn? Serving like Jesus means that we should be thankful. But serving Jesus like Jesus means being available. I love this. I love this. Brethren, are we too busy to seize the opportunity? How is Jesus Was he too busy? In John chapter 4, and what uh, blessings come from John chapter 4. I appreciate what Jesus did in John chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. It says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples... It says he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. Jesus was a busy man. Would you not say? Jesus was walking around all the time to different places. But look at what verse 4 says. He says, but he needed to go through Samaria. Jews didn't go through Samaria. Jews walked around Samaria. He still could have got to Galilee from uh, Judea uh, walking around Samaria. But no, Jesus said, no, I'm going to make it a point to go through Samaria because he had to do something, didn't he? He had to go see a woman at a well, didn't he? He had to go see a woman at a well, and she was a Samaritan. And she'd been married a whole bunch of times, hadn't she? Jesus was available. Jesus said, I'll give you water 
that'll make you never thirst. In Matthew chapter 19, verses, well, sorry about that, Timothy. I don't know what happened. There we go. Sorry about that. In Matthew chapter 19, verses 13 through 15, Jesus is now coming from Galilee to Judea, beyond the Jordan. And we talked about this a little bit last week. It says, Then uh, little children were brought to him that he might put his hands on them and pray. But the disciples, they rebuked him. They rebuked the people who brought him. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and he departed from them. Jesus was available for the children. Jesus was a busy man. Jesus was doing things. Jesus is about to go to the cross. But he took time to stop and take care of these children. Think about the impact that had on the parents. Here were the disciples rebuking the parents for bringing the children. And what does Jesus say? No, let them come to me. I got time. I got time. Brethren, are we busy? Are we too busy in our lives to do the things that the Lord wants us to do? Are we too busy? Matthew chapter 20, verses 34, 30 through 34. Jesus is leaving Jericho. You know, right after this situation, we're going to start talking about the triumphal entry of Jesus the last week. And wouldn't you think that that's a pretty crucial time in somebody's mind who knows where he's going and he knows what's going to be happening? I would be very anxious in this time. I don't know if you could even talk to me, really. I'd be so stressed out. But verse 30 says, Now as they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road, they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. Then the multitude, what did the multitude do? They warned them that they should be quiet. Be quiet. He ain't got time for y'all. We got to follow him. He's got something that he's doing. We need to go with him. Then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet, but they cried out all the more saying, have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. So Jesus does what? He stood still. He stopped. And he called them. This makes me emotional, brethren. If this doesn't move you, I don't know what's going on inside of you. We're talking about Jesus taking time for two blind men. He's got bigger things to think about, or does he? He stood still and he called to them and he said, what do you want me to do What do you want me to do for you? 
They said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. What keeps us from being available? Are we too busy? Are we too self-centered? Are we not talented enough? Matt, I can't cause somebody's eyes to be restored. Really? Seriously? Because I'm going to tell you what, somebody was available for me. And open my eyes. I'll never forget that. Never. I was once blind, but now I see. Somebody took time. Somebody was available and talked to me and cared about me. Even though I had all kinds of stuff to do, even though there was all kinds of things going on, took time for me. Many people here in this building took time for me. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, Craig, uh, who taught the adult class, said another thing that I thought was very encouraging. You know, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, talks about how we should not forsake the assembling together. And that's so true. But he hit, he hit on another point that I want us to think about. You know, when we hear that, then we say, well, you know, as long as I'm here, then that's good enough, right? Because I've done what God wants me to do. I haven't forsaken the assembly. But the verse tells us to do what? Stir the pot. <laughs> huh? What y'all think about when you hear stir the pot? Oh, you think about it in a negative way, don't you? Oh, here he goes, stirring the pot. When we come together, brethren, do we come to worship the Lord? Absolutely. Absolutely. But look at what it says, that we consider one another in order to stir up two things, love and good works. If you had to answer this question, what would you say right now? Have you today, this morning, stirred up anyone for love and good works? Have we made ourselves available to one another? Have we took time to listen to what people are talking about? Have we considered talking about spiritual things with each other to try and lift each other up? Or as soon as it's over, we're going to cut as fast as we can. Looking to visit with others. This is our time. This is what we got. This is when we're together. It goes to the point, do we really love each other? Do we really want to be with each other? Do we even really care or is it just not a big deal? I'm going to check my box and I'm good to go. I'm good to go. Do we take our eyes off of ourselves and consider somebody else? Somebody's hurting in here that you could touch. Somebody in here needs you. Where you at? Checked out? I need all of you. 
I need every single one of you to care about me, to pray for me. I need you. What else can we learn from Jesus? Serving like Jesus means being dependable. When it comes to being a servant for the Lord, just be honest. Are you? Was Jesus? Listen to these verses. John 17, 4 says this. I have glorified you on earth. Jesus praying to the Father. And what does he say? I have finished the work. That's a, hey, bosses, if you tell your worker to do something and then they do it and then they come back to you and say, hey, what else you got? You're done? Yeah, I'm done. What you got? I'm I'm ready to help you out. What else can I do for you? I mean, I already got that finished. I mean, you can double check it if you want, but I'm ready to roll. What we got? What's next? I mean, you're wrong to give this guy all kind of responsibilities, aren't you? Brethren, are we dependable? Can somebody depend on you? I let people down all the time. I think about Miss Sue all the time. I always make a deal with her that we're going to go visit. And what do I do? I always blow it. I miss And I have to ask for forgiveness all the time. So I'm not perfect on this, but do I want to be dependable? Absolutely I do. I want to be 100% dependable for y'all. And if I let you down, I'm sorry and I apologize. My goal is to be the very best, the most dependable person that I can be. Because Jesus told the Father, and he didn't lie, he said, I have finished the work. What else did he say? He said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And I'll give you rest. That's a pretty dependable guy, isn't it? I don't want to go to somebody who's not going to give me rest. I'm going to go to somebody who's going to give me absolute rest. They're going to say it. I hope that they fulfill it. Jesus says, come to me if you're heavy laden, if you're struggling, and I will give you rest. Are we there for our brothers and sisters when they're down? Are we there for our brothers and sisters when they're weak? Do we take our eyes off of ourselves and look for somebody else? Think about what Romans 8.35 says. What is Paul talking about here? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing. Not tribulation, not distress, not persecution, not famine, nor nakedness, nor peril, or sword. Nothing can separate me from the love of Christ because he is a dependable God. He is a dependable king. He's dependable. You can count on him. How do I know that? My opinion, absolutely not. Hebrews 13, 8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. He's the same today. And he's the same in big old words forever. That's the guy I want to follow. He don't ever change. He stays the same. And he loves us all so much that he wants us to serve him with everything we got. Because he gave all he had. He gave his life. What a dependable person. John 15, 13 says this. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Jesus laid his life down for us. That's dependable, ain't it? 
dependable. And one of my favorites of all, Matthew 28, 20. And lo, I am, brethren, I want you to remember this. When you're down and out, when you're struggling, when you're thinking about checking out, when you're thinking that this ain't worth it, when you think that what I'm doing is in vain, I want you to remember what Jesus told them disciples, and the principle is still alive and well today. Lo, I'm with you always. Always. Even to the end of the age. (laughs) One day, brethren, we're going to be with Jesus, the Messiah. We're going to get to be with him and worship him and love on him. Longing for that day, amen? And I want as many, I want my family to go. I love them so much, but I want every single person I come in contact with to go there as well. Amen? So as we close this service, as we close this series on being a servant, where are we? when it comes to that in our lives and the way that we serve the king. Are we serving the church? You know, the one that Jesus purchased with his own blood, how much respect do we have for that in the way that we serve the church? Are we serving our families? Hey, when there's a tough situation between brothers and sisters, do we make it right? Do we be a Christian? Do we turn the other cheek? Do we take the higher road? Do we do those things? Do we go the extra mile? Are we doing those things? What about our family? Are we being parents that are right? Are we doing the examples that we uh, should be in front of our children? Children, are we obeying our parents? Are we being respectful to them, knowing that what they're doing is for your best interest? Grandparents, What a great example you guys are to so many. Are you still doing the same thing today? Don't grow weary in what you're doing. You have set an example for many people to follow. And I can think of so many in here today, even great grandparents. Are we focusing on the opportunities in our lives to serve And then when they come upon us, are we thankful, literally, in the moment, take time to say, Lord, I appreciate this right here. I'm about to take full advantage of it. Do we make ourselves available when we may not feel like it, when we become tired, when we become weary? And are we dependable? Can the Lord count on us? I want to close with this thought. Can the Lord count on us? Because I know one thing, and I know you can say amen to this too. I sure am thankful that we can count on him. We can count on him. He lives right now to make intercession for us. Are we willing to show our love back by the way that we act and the way we treat others, and the way that we go, as Mark said, and tell lost people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling. 
Maybe you're here today and you need prayers. Maybe you're here today and you need to obey the gospel. Don't wait. Please don't wait. Hear me, friend. If you're thinking about being baptized, don't wait until tomorrow or next week or put it off. Today is the day. Jesus Christ could come back at any second, and I'm pleading with you, just like Christ were pleading through me, that you would be reconciled to God. And I mean it with all my heart. I appreciate somebody telling me that. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Peter on the day of Pentecost said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, the forgiveness of your sins, washed away, believing who he is, repenting of your sins, turning from the way you're living and turn towards God, confessing his name, saying that I believe that Jesus is the son of God, being baptized in water for the remission or the forgiveness of your sins and then living a faithful life. And Jesus says, If you remain faithful to me, I'm going to give you a crown that will last forever. A crown. Whatever you need, come right now. Together we stand and sing.
Bow with me, please. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this just another time to come together and just lift up your name in prayer and in these songs that we sing. And we pray that we do so in, in, in true spirit and heart. And pray thanking you for this message that we've heard this morning by Matt and the so many points we can uh, uh, apply to our own lives and just remember these things and these scriptures that are being taught and these life lessons that can just help us to uh, win souls for the kingdom. We pray th that you'll be with us as we leave here, Lord, and that you'll bring us back at the next appointed time. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>